Welcome to episode 172 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent and Jason here, and I think we've got a good one today. I know we do. And why is that? Uh, we've got Prong, we've got Scream Red Mutiny, I mean, Stanley's Revenge, we've got all kinds of stuff going on. That's right. You can't tell me it's not going to be a good one. Right. Tommy Victor of Prong is the guest on this episode. <clears throat> yes. Very glad to be able to say that. I didn't lead with whose podcast is this anyway, like I planned, but there you go. I said it now. Well, now we know. It doesn't really flow when you say it out loud. (laughs) It looks better when you write it down. Yes, exactly. And this was, it was kind of a last minute thing that came together too. Yeah. So it was kind of cool, you know? Yeah. So glad we got to do that. Nice lengthy chat here with Tommy coming up here in just a bit. Yes. Before we do, we got to talk about a couple shows and a couple, play a couple songs. Before we get into all that stuff, we need to let you know that this episode is sponsored sponsored, excuse me, by DEB Concerts and Vitz Screen Printing. DEB Concerts is located here in Tulsa, and they bring tons of, what did you say, 80s and 90s rock bands? I say 90s rock, but the yes. early 90s, because yes. some of these bands like Firehouse didn't even debut until 90. That's right. That's and they right. always get thrown into the 80s category. But back to what I'm trying to say here. DB Concerts brings in all this era of music that both of us freaking love. Yes. And we're always happy to get out there. Most of the shows are at the Ideal Ballroom, which is a fantastic venue. And they've got some great shows coming up. Striper is actually coming up in just about a week and a half. Mm-hmm. May 30th at the Ideal Ballroom. They've got Driver opening up for them. Yes. And then what do we got after that? Steelheart. That's right. At Safari Joe's on July 26th. Yeah. So get on Safari Joe's website, look into that, but that's also being brought to you by DEB Concerts. Then a couple of days later, July 28th, Bisto Blanco is playing at the Ideal Ballroom with Driver and Down for Five. And, and it's free. Yeah, 100% free. So you have to be there. Yeah, think of that money you would spend on concert tickets you yep. can now spend on whiskey or beer. Exactly, exactly. I mean, yeah, or a t-shirt. Yes, yes. From Driver or Bisto Blanco or Down for Five. Chuck Garrick, Calico Cooper. You gotta Mike be there. Petrillo, yeah, you Scott gotta, Squires, can't go wrong. Can't go wrong at all, <laughs> at all. Right. Then a couple weeks after that, August 18th at the IDO Ballroom, Faster Pussycat, and Don Jameson. Yes. And with, also features yes. Dead Metal Society. We'll be talking about them here again in a minute. Oh, definitely. But yeah, some great shows coming from DB Concerts. They brought in tons of great bands in the past. And Doug said they've got more stuff coming, so be on the lookout for that. That's right. Like and getting on and what? Follow them on the Streets Gone Wild there Facebook you go. page. Yeah. Streets Gone Wild is where they update everything. So get on there, click on that, and like that. While you're on there, Facebook, look up Vitz Screen Printing as well. That's V-I-T-S. Follow them, like them. They do all kinds of t-shirts, hats, hoodies, and everything. We get our stuff done there. That's why we're talking about them. That's why we believe in them. Damn right. Yeah. We've got new shirts coming, actually. They're printing for us right now. And they'll be up on our website. But you need to go to their website. You can order stuff online. They'll help you design it if you don't have a design. All that great stuff. They do tons of bands in Oklahoma City, Tulsa area. They'll do it for anywhere. They can ship it to you. It's no problem. Hell yeah. So look them up, Vitz Screen Printing. We appreciate them and DEB 
for sponsoring these episodes. So just getting right into that, first song we want to play, as far as I know, I don't think this has been released yet. Nice. I should have verified that, but at the point when they sent it to me, he said it hadn't been released, and yeah. I don't think they put it out yet. But this is a brand new song from Stanley's Revenge called King Me. <laughs> From Stanley's Revenge out of Pryor, Oklahoma. That's right. You heard it here first. That's right. Maybe? I believe so. Okay. Good. We're going to go with that. Okay. They can correct us if we're wrong, but That's right. I'm going to act right. like we're right. Yeah. I mean, you can correct us. It's okay. We're humble guys. <laughs> right. 
as far as I remember right, I remember seeing them say they were going to release their EP. It's going to be available at Rocklahoma. Speaking of prior, that's where Rocklahoma is. These guys are playing on Saturday at noon. Yes. On the Axis stage. They're kicking that thing off. And as far as kicking a stage off, I mean, what do you think? Uh, that's a perfect way to do it. <laughs> yeah. What did I say earlier? That song's a fire breather. A fire breather. Let me tell you. <laughs> or as the kids these days would say, that's straight fire. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's, uh, way to with, go, kids. With the little 100 emblem. Oh, my God. Stanley's Revenge, I'm sorry. Trent's fucking this all up. <laughs> you guys got a kick-ass song. Yeah. It's just, like you say, another one of your terms, ball squasher. <clears throat> yes. Straight up, all the way through. Yeah. And you know, it's brutal, but it's got like a hook. I mean, it's got a fucking hook. You know, the riffs are awesome. This is just a great song. And, you know, it's, 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 it's about time, you know, they got some, they got a band from prior. That's true. You know, to, uh, play at Rocklahoma. Yeah. Throughout the years, there's been quite a few from Tulsa, but I don't know if there's been any from prior. Well, it's about time. Right. And no better representation than these guys. We've seen them live a couple times mm-hmm. in there. They're great, so you will not be disappointed. Like I said, Saturday, the Saturday of Rocklahoma, which will be next Saturday, noon on the Axis stage in that tent. So get over there, watch yeah. these guys before you head into the main gates. It'll be kick-ass, that's for sure. That's right. That's right. And we'll remind you of this next week on our next episode. Because that's the final one before Rocklahoma. That's right, before it all goes down. Yeah. And speaking of that... We'll mention it again later, probably, but we got nine from Dead Metal Society and Scott Squires from Down for Five joining us to talk about past Rocklahomas, this Rocklahoma, and all that great stuff. Yeah, it's going to be great. Yep. Well, speaking of new music, Screaming Red Mutiny has a brand new EP that's coming out tomorrow, actually, and tomorrow is also the day of their CD release in Tulsa, which will be at? The Shrine. That's right. And that is not just Screaming Red Mutiny. It also features Less Than Human and Dead Orchestra. Nice. Get so, out of the way. Yeah, that's one hell of a, a lineup. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, there will be murders. <laughs> well, we just of the stage, nothing else. <laughs> well, we mentioned... Don't want to get violent. Less Than Human, so you've got to say, what is it, Hide Your Daughters, Lock Up Your Cows? Yes, Lock Up Your Cows. Or is it Hide Your Cows? Oh, fuck, I forgot already. No, I think you said Lock, lock up, up Your Cows. Lock Up Your lock up your Cows. I mean, <laughs> really... <laughs> that's like my favorite line ever. Well, you know, uh, that's what you do, right? Every now and then I get one right. You know, sun shines on a dog's ass every now and then. <laughs> I get lucky. Whatever. Yeah. You know. Well, like I said, this EP actually drops tomorrow. You can buy it at the show. I believe you, you should can, buy it at the show. Yeah, I believe you can buy it through their website. Get on Facebook. Look up Screaming Mutiny. Screaming Red Mutiny. Like them. Get on Facebook. Follow Mugen. Music, which is their label. Get on MeThunderUnderground.com. Click on Independent Reviews. And Jason wrote a review about this this earlier this week. I did a shining review, as yeah. it should be, because yeah. this EP is fucking great. Yeah. We're fortunate to get an advanced copy. And yes. also... Thank you for that. Yes. What, about three weeks ago, we went to a listening party. Yes. Sprout and Tony hosted. And got to hear this thing one time through then, but... We got an early copy here this past week, so got to really listen to it. Yeah, so it's awesome. As you said, I think the first thing you said was a, it's a sprawling opus. Yes. And 
Yeah, I mean, that's a good way to say it. yet sprawling opus. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the thing I mentioned, <laughs> even hearing it the first time and now hearing it again, is like, you've got six tracks. They all stand on their own as individuals. Mm-hmm. But they all fit together perfectly well. Yes. Into their sound. And their sound is something you else mentioned in an interview. You know, it's changed slightly as it would because it's a different guitarist, but it still sounds like them. I think so, yeah. Even I, without just Sprout's vocals, it still has that same, it has that feel, but it's expanded to something different. Yeah. Yes, they, they've really made a bridge from, you know, their EP, their previous EP to this one. However, at the same time, they still sound like them. Um, so, uh, you know, this is a, this is a good progression. I think they're doing the right things. Yeah. And another thing that I've remembered since he told us, which was, man, I think it was like last June when we were at a show in Fort Smith, Tony told us that their heaviest stuff was yet to come. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they weren't fucking around, were they? That's right. Yeah. Like the beginning of Mouthpiece, which might be my favorite track. If I had to pick one, I'm not sure, but that thing's just balls out straight through. And then it jumps right into one of those melodic choruses where Sprout's singing and it expands it as well i know well and i like how contents under pressure is just kind of you know uh, you know a little kind of serious and stuff and at the end there's just like this insane outro that just i mean you know i mean it strips the paint off the fucking walls do you think that's an ode that's the song title right there happening as you listen exactly i mean it's you know <laughs> yeah it builds yeah <laughs> But they released Iron Disposition first, you know, that was the first single. There's a video for it. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. Got our friend Courtney in it. Yes, definitely. And so go check that out. And then the second thing they released was Air Raid Symphony. Yeah. And that thing kicks this off. And I think you mentioned that might be your favorite track. Yeah, it's my favorite track. I mean, uh, it's just a it, it, it's perfect way to start a record off. You know, he kicks ass. I mean, that's cliche, but it fucking does. And the opening riff, man. Yeah, just I mean, sick. Sprout's fucking on point, so it's good stuff. Yeah. And basically, every song on here, another one we haven't mentioned from Heart to Grave. Yeah, that's got a both great loved. solo. Fucking, that's a great song, man. Like you mentioned, it's got a stomp to it. And someone, I can't remember who, but at that listening party mentioned that it had a almost kind of a clutch feel, yeah. but a little bit heavier, which I can see that as well. Yeah. It's got that... That stompy groove. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you've got six tracks here. Definitely worth your time. You've heard Iron Disposition on this podcast before, hopefully. And you're about to hear Air Raid Symphony. So let's just get into it right now.
Parade Symphony, brand new track from Screw Rib Mutiny. That's the first song that kicks off this EP that you can find tomorrow. I'm pretty sure you can find it streaming as well. Yeah. There are other earlier stuff's on Spotify. But get on their website, purchase this thing. They've got t-shirts, all that great stuff as well. The Shrine, tomorrow night, which is May 18th. Yes. Is going to be Screw Rib Mutiny with their CD release, along with Dead Orchestra out of Wichita. And Less Than Human out of Tulsa. Yes. And all three of these are excellent bands. <clears throat> and you can't go wrong with this. That's for damn sure. We, we will be there uh, with, with our new Thunder Underground themed Swedish Fish. We will be giving them away to everybody. Yeah, so, the candy? Yes. I mean, it'll be like a pre-show snack. That is amazing. So, I mean, you know, come early. Just kidding. None of that's going to happen ever. But it just sounded like something fun to say. That's so, a good idea, though. I like that. Maybe. You know what? Maybe it's something to look into. All right. Maybe I didn't make that idea up. That idea was out in the ether, out in space, and it just flowed right through me That's right. onto you, and now you're really fucking thinking about it. Yeah. So. I love Swedish go. fish. See, I don't. Yeah. You know, I'd rather eat the corn out of my turds than that shit. <laughs> but, you know, to each his own. That's right. Well. Maybe one day we'll see. Yeah, I don't know where we got off on that, but <laughs> continue. Right. Well, if you're in the Tulsa area, be sure and get out there. If not, check these guys out live this summer. They haven't announced dates yet, I don't think, but I saw them say that they're going to be on tour this summer at some point. Definitely. So be on the lookout for that. Follow them, Scream Red Mutiny, on Facebook. All right. Prong and Helmet. Get back. Came to the Shrine as well. Yes. In Tulsa this past weekend. First off, this tour, I'm surprised it came here. You know, Me because too, I really am. Not that I wouldn't think either of those bands would come here. It's just that usually when you get a really strong double package like this, that's not, I mean, it's a decent length tour. It's probably got 20 dates or something. Mm-hmm. But still, Tulsa's not usually one of the stops on tours like that, you know? Yes, I know. I know. We got lucky. Yeah. We really did. So thanks to the Shrine for making this happen for sure. Definitely. Thanks to those guys. And, you know, it was kind of weird because, like, it was just one of those nights where, you know, everybody was there, and it was just one of those awesome packages. It was a Saturday night. So it was just like one of those awesome shows where just shit lined up. Yeah. You know, it was really cool. Something I I think I mentioned it when we talked to Tommy here in a minute, but... That's not really a package I thought of before, but as soon as you hear it, like, well, that makes perfect yeah, sense. Like, I'm surprised oh, yeah, that didn't no happen yeah, 15 exactly. years yeah, ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That would have been amazing. And I mean, both these bands are from that, they're not really the exact same sound, but they're from that same subset of metal in the mid-90s that, yes. you know, the COC and Monster Magnet and all these bands that had like one or two songs on the radio or MTV. And yes. Man, think if you put those four bands together on a bill, well, yeah, I'd well, freaking like, lose my shit. You, yeah, you remember fucking back when we were kids, like it was Helmet and Sepultura and Ministry. Oh, yeah. I mean, how fucking diverse is that, but kind of all at the same time. It works. You know that if you're a Sepultura fan, you probably like Ministry, you probably like Helmet. Or, and this is the same thing. You know, if you like Prong, you probably like Helmet, vice versa. However, so. Yeah. So, I mean, what were your thoughts? I mean, I know this was the... I guess fourth time I've seen Prong and third time for Helmet, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, see, I've never seen Helmet before. and Yeah, you have. Uh, no, I haven't. You weren't at that Edge Fest? 
Fake no more in helmet. Fuck, were they there? Fuck, I have seen them. Yeah. Son of a bitch. That was a long time ago. Where'd <laughs> my fucking brain go? It was like 97. Huh. Well. When they were on the tour for Aftertaste, I believe. Yeah. I'm glad we talked this through. <laughs> That's insane. I remember that now. Yeah. Okay, well, second time for helmet. Anyways. <laughs> You know, I just thought, I mean, for me, you know, I'm a bigger fan of Prong, and it was just, uh, you know, you're standing there like 10 minutes before they go on, and you're like, they're going to fucking play on this stage? I mean, it's going to be right up in my fucking face. Yeah. This is insane. You know, and, uh, you know, I was talking to um, our, our buddy David Campbell, and he was like, yeah, I haven't seen these guys since 1994 in Kane's Bar. And I was like, I was there. That's awesome. And right. then, you know, a uh, friend Hillary, she turned around. She overheard it. She goes, I was at that fucking show. And then some guy that I didn't know for anybody her, overheard us. He goes, I was at that fucking show. <laughs> so, I mean, that's just cool that, you know, all these years later, people are still coming. And, and it's still, you know, is important to us. Um, I, I, I thought that was cool. You know, that kind of goes back to a minute ago, you know, talking about the vibe of the night, you know? Yeah. Um, but prong came on and they killed it, man. They were so good. It was so in your face and that drummer was nuts. And, you know, Tommy Victor was on point and he's just, I think he's a way better guitar player than people give him credit for. Or maybe they do. I don't know. He just has never. In the conversation, right. we were talking about insane. He's more of a front man, songwriter, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, man, it was it was the that was the best time I've ever seen Prong in my life. You know, out of the what four times I've seen him or whatever, three times. Yeah. However, I mean, it was just that was fucking great. Maybe that's why Danzig keeps bringing him back. Yeah, because he's good. Does he yeah. still play for Danzig? Yeah. Okay. See, I mean, I as far as I know, on every tour, I mean, I don't think yeah. he doesn't do any recording or anything. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, I mean, you know, the last time we saw him was at the Ride for Dime benefit thing. Yes. And they were badass, but that was kind of overshadowed to me by the fact that I was seeing Crozier Informer for the first time in like 13 years yeah, or something, or 12 years, whatever it had been. Uh, yep. But when we saw him with Clutch in Fayetteville on when they were touring for Carved in the Stone, yeah. that was phenomenal. And then, of course, way back was, but yeah, kind of like you said, this was the highlight of all those shows, just because you're like five feet from them. Yes, exactly. On this small stage at the Shrine where, you know, the sounds get in there. It's mm-hmm. it's a great place. And the drummer art, you know, like you said, it's badass. He's been there now for the past three or four albums. And the bass player, Jason Christopher, just has, even though he's only been there a couple years now, he just has that look like he belongs in prong, you know? Yeah. And it's a... Metal power trio at its fucking finest. Definitely. And yeah, and that's another thing. This is three dudes, and it sounded big. Yeah. So awesome. Yeah. And if you haven't heard Zero Days, which is their newest album that came yeah. out in 2017, you got to. That was yeah. actually, we hadn't mentioned, that was on our top 17 of 2017 yes. list that we did. So go back and find that episode and check that out. But Yeah, if you haven't listened to that CD, I don't know what the hell you're doing. Right. Well, not just that. You know, what we talk about in this interview is the mass amount of output they've had in the past yes. five or six years, which was carved into stone, ruining lives, X, no absolutes, and then zero days. And then they also had the cover album in there. And all four of those original albums 
or hashtag all killer no filler. Definitely. I mean, I'm not just saying that. These are all fucking great yeah. music. So it's just insane that they're just pumping out that much music at that high quality. You know, when a lot of great bands, you get lucky if they do it every two years, maybe yeah. three. Yep. Or if it's someone like, you know, Metallica, it's every eight years or whatever, you know. <laughs> then Helmet, from from your perspective as someone that didn't really follow them all that big, I mean, what do you think? They're all right. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I kind of hung back, you know. Had a few more drinks, so but I mean it was it was good. Um, I, I was kind of you know kind of like kind of like in a way like we've talked about prong is like his voice is just a little different you know than it used to be. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's, you notice that on a, the most recent album yes, as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly, definitely, and that's not a bad thing. I mean, that happens. You know, time is time. That happens. But it's um, not that not in a bad way. It sounds good. No, uh-uh. and. uh I think they sounded great. I mean, they they played all the songs you wanted them to, and they probably definitely played all the songs you wanted them to. Yeah. You know. And the other cool thing was towards the end of that set, you know, he mentioned, you know, we were going to play one more, and then he did that like three times. Yeah, yeah. I and then he said, <laughs> last night in San Antonio, we had a curfew, so our encore was two songs. He's like, there's not a curfew here, so what do you want to hear? Yeah. And he literally asked people in the crowd what they want to hear, like, for two or three songs, and yeah. I don't... I didn't look at the clock, but it had to have been close to probably a two-hour set yeah. at that point. Yeah. Because their encore was like five or six songs. Yeah, no kidding. And they finished, well, not one finished, but in there they played Just Another Victim. Yeah. And, which, funny, you know, we, we joked about it earlier since Danny Boys in Tulsa. Yes, yeah. But I saw the next day pictures of him outside of the shrine. Really? With, with Helmet. Well, so he was there hanging out, but he didn't get on stage. What the hell? <laughs> But I don't know, what did he do in House Pain? He might not even sing. Yeah, so I have no idea. I don't think he sang that was all yeah. Everlast. I don't know, so maybe that's why it wouldn't have mattered. Wouldn't wouldn't have worked, yeah, who knows. But, yeah, I mean, like you said, they they covered the span of their, you know, the span of their career, played stuff from every album, it seemed like. And, yeah, kick ass. Great night. Yeah, two bands that perfectly fit together, and for those of you that don't follow either one of those bands... You got to do it. Yes. Because sure. they've been around for 25, 30 years a piece and they're still kicking ass. And it's cool to, you know, hear that stuff that Tommy talked about with Josta and then on this podcast and then at the show. Yeah. Or Paige talked about at the show that they kind of, Tommy kind of helped Helmet in the yeah. early days at CBGB's. I know. Yeah. That's, that was, that's some history right there. Yeah. Well, once again, lethalunderground.com reviews, all the podcasts are up there. Merch is up there, all that great stuff. Tons of previous episodes for you to check out. But I think we need to get into this episode now. It's Tommy Victor of Prong. something I never thought of, but once I heard about it, it seemed like an obvious thing. So who approached who? Was it one of the bands? I talked to Paige a long time ago about it, and then we sort of said, oh, we'll hang out in L.A. together, and we never did, and then I ran into him again, and he goes, oh, yeah, we got to do shows together. I'm like, okay, yeah, then, you know, just being the way we are, we never really made it happen, and then I was in Europe, and then he actually, 
has a friend over there, and he goes, oh, we really want to do Tonk Show, so then uh, it, then we got management involved, and that took like another two years before they figured it out, so <laughs> it was... Uh, so it's a long time to make yeah, it. Yeah, it's, yeah, totally. So have all the shows been killer so far? Yeah, no, it's been great. I mean, uh, uh, they seem to be getting better and better, like the more we're edging... When we hit Texas, it started getting more explosive. Uh, I don't know what Tulsa is going to be like, but it's sold out. So yeah, yeah. that's that's got to be a good sign. Yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> you know, it's 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 it, it, it's a meaningful package. I mean, it's, I mean, we sort of we started the same place and sort of splintered into sort of different areas, but uh, it makes sense. Yeah. Well, you've had like five or four original albums in the past five years. So that's tons of output. Like, where does the drive that come from? Uh, I always have ideas. I mean, it just seems like, like a right, like when I, when I probably get off this thing, uh, I'll be like getting on the computer and starting putting riffs down, and then I'm like, you know, something I see, I'll have a couple of lyrics, and then I know like I could write some songs out of that. So, um, you know, it just, it just. I, I don't I just, I, it really doesn't really take that much especially when you're touring a lot like then you get more inspired and you know the kids want it and the kids I mean our fans seem to want consistent records and it's something that we never provided in the past where you know I went away for a while then um, uh, the band broke up and then you know then I was yeah, playing with, with Danzig sorry Pace sorry guys I'm sorry I didn't know you were and then um so it's like that was one of my commitments was to put out consistent records over a period of time because I, I felt that we didn't do that in a long time. So I want to continue doing that, uh, and hopefully I can. Is a are, are you constantly writing, or is it just kind of an on the road thing? Or no, I don't really. I mean, it's, sometimes I do on the road. Uh, it's more like if I'm if I'm out on a dancing tour. And then I don't have to handle any business, and I don't really have to do anything but show up and play guitar if we have an actual tour. So, like, during, like, we had this record, Rooting Lives, and uh, there was a lot of dancing touring that year. So, uh, you know, I just go up, and we had our own dressing room, and I go up there, and I, I'd have my iPad, and I just started writing stuff, right? you know. So, uh, on a prom tour, I don't do that much writing because, you know, I'm handling a lot of stuff, and, you know, you know, running around, and, you know, uh, you know, usually we're on a support bill, and uh, we don't have the facilities to do that that much. So, I mean, I'd rather go home and just stay in a room and, you know, work for a couple of hours, like, you know, watch a ball game, go to the pool, and then, you know, go to the gym, and then come back and work, and just, you know, do it that way, and then stay up really late, and, you know, write a bunch of lyrics, wake up, go for, a, you know, a walk or a hike, get, write more lyrics, and go back and play guitar, program the drums, and, uh, you know, working with the producer and putting ideas together. That's more like, you know, you have all the, the things you need there, you know. On the road, I'll just have a guitar and an iPad, and that's yeah. it, you know. Yeah. Uh, stuff really comes to you late, I've noticed. I like that. <laughs> Always up for me, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's like, uh, like on the last record, considering, you know, what was going on. I mean, now I look at the news and I'm, 
I'm like, nothing's really happening in the last month or so. I mean, yeah, little things here and there, but, you know, that that year, uh, like 2016, 17, I mean, it was just like, it seemed like there was just so much going on and uh, a lot of controversy. So uh, that was a lot. Of, uh, one of the sources for writing a bunch of lyrics where... And then, uh, you know, I, I don't have, it's not all one track minded, like the, the lyrics on a Pong record. Then there's, you know, like personal stuff and, you know, books I'm reading and et cetera. They all sort of combine into, you know, what's going on on the lyrics. So like now I may be hard pressed to come up with lyrics because I don't really, it, it seems like, you know, the things exploded a little bit and now they're sort of, you know, it's back to the norms already, you know, with, with everything. I just maybe my crazy, demented, delusional brain. So, well, the last couple albums you co-produced with Chris Collier. Yes, like, like this being your band, your vision. What's bringing in someone like that new to help the process? Well, he's great on the the technical side of things. Amazing, and. Uh, I need a guy who are doing cutting vocals to to direct me too. So uh, those are the main things, and then he contributes to writing too. I mean, he's he's an all around guy. So you know, arrangements. I'm more of an arrangement guy. Like uh, for some reason, I seem to be in that role. Like I I uh, after writing so many songs and working on so many records, like uh, like a lot of the arrangements I do. Uh, but he'll have an input on that, uh, and then uh, when it comes to to the vision of, of what the record sounds like, uh, uh, we put our heads together and we come to you know agreements on that. Well, how's that different than in the past when you just had a producer in there? Like, do you like working better with when you're? Well, I mean, I like with the Terry Date records, which was cleansing and rude awakening. It said produced by you know, I'm not not sounding like an I hope I don't sound like an egotist but it's uh, you know it said it said produced by Terry Date and Prong so it was pretty much me so like you know like I except for Rude Awakening that sort of was not uh, we had after the success of Cleansing we had so many people putting their two cents into that record and I was like I sort of abandoned my participation as producer in that record towards the end, I didn't like the way it came out. So, uh, the cleansing, I had a lot to do with, with Terry and designing what it was going to sound like. And, uh, you know, anything from like discussing like what mics we were using and, you know, what the drums were going to sound like and what guitar amps to use and, Blah blah blah. I mean, I mean, I mean, like we came in there, and I, uh, I had everything to to drop C. So not everything, a lot, but like half the songs. Like stop your finger, stop your neck, and he was just like, I, I can't. How are you gonna tune this low? I mean, now we deal with bands that are down with eight string guitars down to like, you know, I don't see. Yeah, the so uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so and he was just like, I can't. I'm going, dude. It's gonna work. Trust me. And he's like, I don't know. I was just like, we're just going to suck all the low end out of the guitar, you know, and, uh, you know, everything's going to be, we're going to get rid of those 
ugly frequencies and we made it work, you know. But I was, I mean, he, he didn't know how to handle something like that. So, but I mean, Terry was a great engineer, but like, and then he didn't really have any participation in, in where the vocals were going to be. I mean, he's not a singer, not a musician. That's why when, when coming back full force with Prong, I wanted to get like Steve Evitz producing the record because he's done anybody from like Robert Smith and then he did you know, uh, the Wonder Years, like, and then a bunch of emo bands, and he did Hate Breed records, and he did this wide range of stuff, so I was like, I need a guy that's going to make me better as a singer, and he's going to, like, you know, coach the hell out of me, so, because I didn't have that before, it was always like, Tommy, you go do your vocal, you know, and, and it's like, okay, you know, like, it was always like that kind of thing, so, you know, having, and Collier's great with that, too, he's like, eh, it sounds weird, let's change this lyric, or whatever, and, you know, we Somebody to really work together on the vocals, the guitars, everything together. So, you know, actually, I think, you know, like Collier is more of a producer in his hands are in everything more than like those old traditional producers. Like you've heard stories about like Rick Rubin, like where, you know, he doesn't even show up to the records. So he just, it's like he approves stuff, you know, and uh, producers, it's a weird moniker or like, no one really knows what a producer really does, except maybe in the R&B world where those guys really have to, they do it all. You know, a producer will, you know, construct the beats and, you know, probably much write all the songs, you know, and like, you know, the rapper or whoever's doing it will write the lyrics, but that's about it, really. Well, well, it's good that, you know, you've got someone that's got the wherewithal to tell you yes or no or... I need that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I mean, you know, I've made so many mistakes in my career and so many poor decisions that, like, I, I'm still, you know, I got to ask other people, like, what's going on? Like, you know, uh, like, band guys, like, art, I trust a lot. Like, my dude, what, you know, what do you think of this? And, you know, usually he says he's negative about it, but it's like, <laughs> but it's like, you know, and then Jason, too, they're always like, that sucks, right? whatever. So, but I trust them, you know, like, so, you know, we play a lot of, like, you know, I, I don't, I can't run this thing myself, you know, like, you know, it's just too much. Well, you mentioned your voice and Steve Evitz, and one of my questions was, you've noticed on the last few albums how, you know, from a fan's perspective, I notice it sounds even better than ever. So do you attribute that to working with Steve, or is this has a lot to you... do with Steve. A lot. Um, you know, I give him, you know, the only thing I did on that was getting him because yeah. I was like, you know what, this is like, we have to do something because, um, you know, I'm just listening to records and seeing where things are going, you know, they like, you know, vocalists are getting better and more versatile. Um, and the thing that was great about Steve, like he, like, it, and which made it rock too and hardcore, which is that like he doesn't believe in, he believes it's very little, like digital processing on anything which means like auto-tune and he's like you're not you gotta sing this the way you know you gotta sing this stuff we're not fooling around with you know with, with any kind of processing to put it into tune or which is that I'm just, if you don't know what Melodyne or Auto-Tone tune is like you know 99.7% of all the records or a singer goes in and does like one take and then they just line it up on a grid to, to fit melodically into something. They, they don't really do vocals anymore. So, and he didn't allow that. He was just like, you know, you're going to have to do this. So when, 
And it's unfortunate thing about rock music. I mean, like you know, you know, you go back to the old records. Everyone played everything. Everyone sang everything. The drummers played everything, and we got it right. You know, like we, the, it, was, it was a little sloppy here and there, but like that's the way it was. Like nowadays, it's like you know, you're just mailing it into a computer, and the computer will will make the record for you pretty much if you wanted to. It's getting worse every day. I mean, now it's like the, with guitars. Now is um, it's amazing. With, with you know, I haven't experimented with it, but I mean, like there's you know a lot of um, guitars could be completely programmed uh, to where it sounds like they're playing it. You would never know. And uh, like you know, I could I could tell a little bit like a like the Bring Me the Horizon records. Like I mean, this. There's really no nobody's playing anything on those records, and no one's singing anything either. It's all done by the producer. Well, once this tour or touring this year ends, are you going to head right back, knock out another album? Is that the plan? Uh, well, there's a couple options for some more touring. I mean, we got to we have to go to Europe, so uh, I got to do that. during the last time off, I wrote like I don't know about eight songs. I got to see what what they're like. I, you know, I mean, I played a couple for Chris, and he was like, you know, I didn't get a really great response from him. So uh, probably out of you know this that that batch, maybe one song will be used. You know, that's how it gets now. Yeah. It's like you know, uh, I don't, I don't want to. You know, but that's kind of, I mean, that's the thing about Pong, too, is like, you know, like, like in the last record, and I get a lot of compliments about this, like, every song is strong, like, you know, like, we we don't fool around, it's like, you know, there's no filler in it, and, uh, you know, I just, I, I just got into that mode where, you know, like, if, if something's just not, well, we don't all like it, it just goes in the garbage can, you know, so that's why, I mean, I, gotta st- I started the process earlier, and, like, you know, just started writing, and, you know, uh, you know, now I gotta uh, put it on the shelf, listen to it, see what's going on, and then write new stuff, and then uh, hopefully you know, put out a couple of singles, and then uh, like a full record, you know, maybe March next year, if the material's there. So it's all pending on that. Like even on Zero Days, I was kind of panicked, like because we had like this block time because we were going out on tour, and then um, I was like. Uh, I even called my manager up a couple of times. I'm like, dude, like, this is just a fucking nightmare. Like, I just went into that manic, crazed, fucking paranoid mode where I was just, didn't know what the fuck was going to happen. And I was like, this this thing isn't happening, you know? And, um, you know, uh, I just, I called Chris and I go, how are we going to make this work in, like, two weeks? And somehow we did it, you know? Like, um, so it's, you never know. I mean, that it could have went the other way where I'm going, you know what? This record's not going to come out on time. So, uh, it's all God's will or something, you know? It's like, who the hell knows? Well, uh, you, you know, with, with, with the lineup changes and, and this and that, I mean, is it, do you still find a way to, to make it all consistent and have everybody on the same page? Uh, that's kind of a problem. Um, it's like, uh, 
it, it's that if we didn't have art crews around, things would be a lot different. It was like you know we, I, you know, I, we, we, the drummer is a really important factor in this whole thing, and uh, if if you have ideas and you don't have a drummer that can play the stuff, I mean it's just not. But I don't have that problem now, so uh, I'm blessed. I'm lucky, you know. It's like. So you, it's it's really it's really down to that you know it's like so uh, you know we I mean I, I got lucky with Alexi who's on on part of the stone and and uh, he he was uh, amazing too like he was fantastic drummer so it was like uh, I got lucky with that because you don't I mean I had guy like. You know that you know it's a great dude, but I could not do what was what we're doing now. Next year will be twenty five years of since cleansing. Can we expect anything like pre release or a tour, anything like that? Well, we got we're jumping the gun a little bit because the uh, the the vinyl is being re released, and that's I heard it's coming out in June. Okay, and it's on Century Media. So, uh, that's been on the plan for a while. So it's remastered, though. And uh, remastered cleansing on vinyl through Century Media Sony now. So, and then, uh, I mean, I at one point or another, all those cleansing songs were played live, so I don't see why we can't go in and do the whole record live. Um, so that may happen. Is that something you've done before with me? Yeah, we beg to differ. The problem we had with Beg to Differ was like was uh, the Beg to Differ was just in Europe and um, uh, it was kind of a it was a mess because the booking agent it, we we did it was like Beg to Ron plays all of Beg to Differ and we had a British booking agent, and he really didn't relay that to the rest of the continental European people. So uh, we, and then we had a bass player. Jason could not do the tour at the last minute, so we had a scramble to find somebody to do it, and uh, that was a nightmare. But regardless of that, we, we it was advertised in like the six British shows and we played the Big Differ record completely and that was fine. Then we had to go to the continent people were like, why are you just playing the Big Differ record? It was never advertised as that. So they fucked the whole thing up. <laughs> and it was stupid. So, um, that was a, a big mess. But, uh, yeah, no, that was the only time we did it. We did it start to finish, the Big Differ record, in E. Like it is on the record. Ah, wow. Man, yeah, I mean, going back to that playing be, E yeah, yeah. <laughs> was retarded. <laughs> Probably one at least turned it down a half a step. No, we did it in E. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, in some ways it was almost easier to play mm-hmm. it in those that old yeah. tuning. It was like, you know, that, that's why a lot of thrash bands like, you know, like Power Trip, you know, like now these guys like playing with yes. like E flat yeah. or E. And I'm like, now it sounds, when you go see them, it sounds heavier than these other bands yep. that are tuned down. Because 
You don't even know what the hell's going on down that low. Yeah, it's like, wow, look at this. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and it sounds heavier. <laughs> yep. I mean, Slayer never had a problem being heavier in E flat. Yeah. So, but uh, I mean, these bands keep going down lower, and I, I, I'm not. I mean, drop C. It's fine. I mean, but we did experiment. In some ways, it works. Like on the last, um, like Self Righteous Indication, which is on Zero Days, is in that deathcore drop A tuning with the seven string. So with a belief system on no absolutes. I mean, every record we seem to be wanting to do that. And like Ice Runs Through My Veins is on in in. Uh, I'm gonna say it's B with an H string. But you can't really tell. It's not like it's not the kind of song that's like uh, it doesn't have a breakdown or anything yeah. in it. Yeah. It's just a rock and roll song. Yeah. So that was a lot more melodic than your typical stuff, too. I yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I have to shout out to Erie Locke. He's another guy that has contributed to writing with Pong, and uh, I don't know who the hell he's playing with right now, but he's a songwriter, dude, friend of mine, and he's amazing. And uh, he's like a piano player, a keyboard guy. So I was like, you know, I wanted to have some more real songs. So he like threw me a bunch of stuff. And I'm like, all right, well, you know, we took them and we made them into these other things. But like the essential song is like the, like a piano player writes in a whole other way. Like they don't think about riffs. They just think about melodies. So uh, that's, a, that's a good combination. I wish it. You know, like we would have had them around years ago, because that's the kind of music I really wanted to do for a long time. Was like these real rock songs that were sort of industrial and heavy at the same time. You know, like and but like sort of like Killing Joke, but heavier. You know, and uh, you know, I think we've done them on the last you know slew of prong records, but like no one's really picked up on them. They most people want to hear the thrashers, you know, the heavy shit. Like this song, the first song on How Zero Days, we play it tonight. I mean, I mean that's becoming one of the staples now. Already, however it may end, and like that was the first song after touring with Obituary. When I got off the tour, uh, you know that that was like the first song I wrote. Like I, I just got in, like I'm like I'm not going to take a week off. I'm going to go right back into writing, and I came up with that thing. So. You know, I, it was for playing with those guys that I said, I got to do something that's fucking heavy, you know? Right. Those guys are heavy. Yeah. Man, it's crazy right out of the gate, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, something that, you know, we felt we needed to do, you know? I think that the next record is going to be like that, you know, where maybe even more of that, you know, just like ugly and just fucking pissed off and just like aggravated, you know, like just... Like that seems to be what, uh, what essentially Prong is, you know. It's like it's not really too happy or something. <laughs> but not being like this. I, I mean, look, don't take it wrong. I, li I go on Spotify, I listen to all the deathcore bands and like freaking, you know, All Shall Perish. I like those guys a lot, and, you know, and they, but you know, it's like. Um, like there's a lot of other bands that it just seems forced or it's not real or something. So, you know, um, we're concerned with that. Like, I don't want to be too unauthentic, you know. I heard that podcast you did with Jasta and you were talking about CBGB's, you're a sound guy. 
just like curious, like who was the best people to work with? Was it the punk bands or the metal bands or even the alternative bands? It's a fantastic question. I love it. Uh, <laughs> none of the above. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that, that's I, what I was, you want to question. <laughs> I, I was in hell all the time working at that club, but it was worth it. It was it was a boot camp for me. Um, I've made a lot of friends and I made a lot of enemies there. <laughs> You know, like, uh, it was, because you'd have to understand what I was doing back then. It was like, I was working the, the, the matinees, which was just chaos. I mean, it was just, you know, it was just absolute mania every weekend. And then, um, then I do audition nights and I had to approve the bands. That's how I met the page when Helmet came in. I mean, that was a no brainer. I mean, they, you know, it was just like, Passed already. They were playing like a Friday night headlining gig, and then uh, then during the week we'd have all these show artists, these showcases. I mean, back then bands were getting signed to major labels, so I'd have to deal with with managers coming in and having these showcases for major labels, and I'd have to deal with their attitudes all the time. Like you know, like everyone thought that their band was going to be the next Blondie or whatever. So I'd have to deal with that a lot. And that's where it got, I would say, like, the worst out of everybody was probably the pop bands. That really, not many of them went anywhere. The only ones that really, the only band that really I could really think about that that really did anything in the, after these slew of bands that got signed during that time, uh, you know, apart from the metal, like the rock bands, like, you know, like, you know, like White Zombie, Helmet, even Circus of Power really didn't do that great. Uh, Raging Slab was a big deal, but they didn't really carry it on. I'm trying to think who else was big from that. Obviously, Helmet. Um, there were so many bands that we thought were going to be like these big deals, and I can't, and uh, they never really went anywhere. And, uh, uh, the only band, like, you know, that was a pop band, that, like, hey, well, a band that were, Great guys and were really cool, and but I didn't have to mix them. It was a, like they had their own sound. I was living color. I mean, like they yeah. just smoked all the place all the time. I mean, it was like they started playing there every Wednesday, and uh, those were great guys. But there's a lot of bands. I'd, I'd be like these managers. We went to their big shots, and it was like it was a, it was pretty. Uh, it was a crazy time. There's a lot going on back then. Yeah, I mean from from um, let's say like from '83. To ninety at CBs, it was like there was a lot of a lot of action, you know. It was a lot of you know, music and bands, and just craziness. And the hardcore scene was that's like the uh, that's the golden years, I think. Really, and I was like smack in the middle of that. What years were you doing this? It was like eighty six to ninety. Okay, so it was while you already had prong albums out. Yes, yeah. it was around the same. Um, but that happened by accident because, like, I started working there, and uh, Mike Kirkland was working the door, and we—I was working the door too. Like we, it was sort of like I would work the door, go to work the soundboard. Um, you sort of had to be in like with the, this, the the Crystal family, and I sort of was in a in a weird way. So that's why I sort of got in there, and I got lucky, you know. So. Uh, like Hilly wouldn't just take people off the street like to work there, 
So uh, I don't know how Mike actually got in there. That's a good question. But uh, he was like, I had a girlfriend. No, I had a, his, his girlfriend knew me from Queens and like was like, you know, Tommy plays. At that point, I sort of gave up. I was like, I'm not going to be in a band anymore. It's like, it's like, it's a waste of time, you know? And he's like, you're playing a band? I was like, no, nah, I'm not doing shit. It's like, I want to be a sound guy, you know? He's like, oh, you know, uh, well, I'm trying to, I want to put a band together. And I'm like, and I was a bass player. And I was like, fuck it out. We had, we, we agreed on a lot of the music we liked. I'm like, yeah, maybe fun, you know? And then it's like, well, we don't have a guitar player. Let's just get this, we got this other guy. He was in this band Damage and we got the Damage guitar, but we're going to have two bass players. You know, Mike is going to sing and then, uh, and then, uh, uh, the guitar player was like, well, my, I don't want Mike singing all the songs. I mean, can you sing? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'll give it a shot. And then, uh, then Denny, like, Mike was like, you know, Denny's really not cutting it on guitar. Why don't you play guitar? So, like, I, I was like, all right. So that's how Palm started. It was sort of like this half-assed, fucking stupid band that we put together. Okay, I got to go in. All right, man. Yeah, we appreciate yeah, your time. Yeah, okay, thanks it. a lot, guys. Yeah, appreciate yeah, it, man. Appreciate it. All right, thank you. Good way to end it. It was this half-assed, <laughs> stupid band that I started. There you go. Tommy Victor of Prong. Very glad to be able to have him on this podcast. How great was that? Yeah. Big thank you to Tom George of Tag Publicity and to Rob Jackson, the tour manager, for helping us out set that thing up. And, of course, a huge thank you to Tommy Victor. Definitely. Definitely. That was a great conversation. Yeah. Can you imagine if you got to see Living Color every Wednesday night? Um, that's what I'm saying. I mean, You've dude, seen them twice in your life, but I if know. you could see them every Wednesday, you'd do it, right? Yes, because they're one of my favorite bands, and they're fucking amazing live. I would definitely see them every Wednesday night. Yeah. And be late to work the next morning every Thursday. That's right. <laughs> and be unapologetic about it. <laughs> of course. <laughs> well, if this is your first time listening, we appreciate it. We've got 171 previous episodes you could check out, and we've had on a ton of people that if you like prong, you probably like bands like Crowbar, Battlecross, Death Angel, King, Megadeth. Corrosion of Conformity. Yeah. Insight. Overkill. Overkill. Sid Falk, formerly of Overkill, was on That's this right. podcast. Tons of metal bands, tons of, if you like glam rock, Warrant, Europe, Firehouse, Trickster, Dokken, those kind of bands have been on here. If you like stoner rock, we've had on, like we said, the Doom side of things with Crowbar, and then we've had on King and Truck Fighters and The Sword. We've had on Shooter Jennings. Hell yeah. We've also had on, if you like the mainstream rock, we've had on guys from Saving Able and Shinedown. Seven Dust. Yeah, definitely. Seven Dust. Also, we mentioned before, has a brand new album. Came yes. out about a week ago, and it kicks ass. Pretty good. Pretty good. We should be talking about that here in the next week or two. Yeah, yeah. Another good album that came out was Bad Wolves. Doc Coyle has been on this yes. podcast as well. So, yeah, just go back and look through that stuff. DetailedUnderground.com. You can listen there. You can listen on Google Music, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud.com backslash Thunder-Underground. Wherever you do it. Like the episode, leave a review, whatever it lets you do, comment, that kind of thing. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and hit us up on Patreon and become a patron. Definitely. Yeah. Doesn't matter if it's big or small. We'll use the money to buy Swedish fish. The Swedish fish. Yes, definitely. How, how would you not want to be a patron for that? That's right. 
right? The official Thunder Underground Swedish. If it's not that, it's official Thunder Underground corns out of Jason's turds. You, know, oh you don't, you don't want that. Man, that took a dark turn there. No yeah, pun I'll just bring it back full circle for you. Oh, thank you. I think <laughs> we also had on guys from Black Star Riders and Saxon. Yes, I forget those because they're so recent. Yes, that but they're hey, not in my head of things to spout off. It happened. So yeah, those are both great interviews. Kiss. Yeah. Megadeth. You ever heard of Kiss? I think I've heard of Kiss. I, th- okay. I think you know. I don't know. Aren't they the guys that do Wicked Up? Yeah. Wasn't it like their first record or something? That is. Yeah, okay. okay. Bruce Kulik sang it. Gotcha, gotcha. That's what I was going to say. Peter Chris wrote it. Of course, of course. Yeah. Mark St. John shit all over it. Okay, okay. Okay, that's make any sense. <laughs> that was my we're reaching voice. <laughs> right. All right, wrap it up is what you're saying. <laughs> but no, coming up here in the next, like I said, this early next week, we're going to have our Rocklahoma preview episode which features scott squires of down for five and nine of dead metal society yes both of them are playing the dnb processing retrospect stage so we'll be talking about that talking about past rocklahomas and of course we'll give our little preview as well we've got an episode with sean mccoy of boba flex coming up after that and then we'll have a rocklahoma review episode and a lot of other good things here to bring you here shortly oh yeah all right, well, let's get out of here. Until next time. I heard of your thing before. This is... Oh, yeah? Good. Well, good. <laughs> you know what? I really am like your desperate dire straight for a t-shirt, so this is very opportune. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Thunder Underground, y'all.